Why do you love it so much? I think if you own your own business, you have to be prepared to take risks. Being a woman doesn't hold you back from achieving success. Yep, so if you're struggling, just stop and pause and, and really reflect on why am I struggling here. But I've also worked really hard and telling me it's luck, I think, just takes away some of that recognition of the hard work. One last question. Welcome to Tea with the Queen, a show where I talk with some of my favourite go-getters, inspiring and courageous women in leadership and business. I'm your host, Emma McQueen. I'm a business coach, executive coach, author and speaker. And for 20 years, I've been working with women to unlock their potential and get paid their worth while doing work they love. In the dictionary, under the word go-getter, you could replace the definition with an image of today's guest. Renee Giruso personifies the go-getter spirit. For more than 22 years, Renee's helped lift the collective mindset of some of Australia's leading brands. She's run 3,000 programs and conducted more than 2,500 coaching sessions. She's a busy woman. Plus, she's published three books, including her latest, Gift Mindset, Unwrap the 12 Gifts to Lead and Live a Life of Purpose, Connection and Contribution. I'm so delighted to introduce Renee to you this episode. Renee, thank you for joining us on Tea with the Queen. It's lovely to have you here. Oh, it's good to be here, Emma. I've really been looking forward to this. Yes, it's been a long time coming, this interview, I feel. I'm going to jump straight in and ask you, what fascinates you about other people and other cultures? You've always had a fascination with others, really, haven't you? Yeah, I have. Since I was a little girl, I think, you know, my background, I'm, I'm half Italian. I don't know if that's driven part of it, but I've always been attracted to diversity and, and people from different backgrounds and, yeah, just and it, I think it play, it's really played out in my business to date. You know, I have a diverse array of cultures, workplace cultures, people and industries, and I just love variety and I'm, yeah, really fascinated I guess, around how people tick. And there's some commonalities across people, obviously, but there's differences as well. Now, oh, can you tell me about those? So, you know, some people say we're pretty much the same and then you go into different cultures and it's there's really stark differences between the groups. What's your thoughts? Yeah, look, I think some of the things we're the same in are things like our needs, you know, connection and contribution and belonging and all that sort of thing. But I think ultimately our our values and our experiences our upbringing all those things contribute to who we are and who we're becoming and I think that's where the difference is as you know Emma I'm a massive foodie cooking is my passion and I I really really do believe that food is sort of a time machine to our memories and the culture that we're part of and I always say to people that are really looking to gain more diversity in their life I always say you know travel and experience food it's the quickest way to experience a culture and even the fact of as you would know Italians have big lunches on Sundays they share it's not uncommon to see your family five times a week and sometimes I actually have to take a step back with friends that may be Australian when they say oh I only see my parents twice a year that to me is bizarre but it's not it's just we just have different references to the things that drive our values in our culture and therefore what we action or what we don't. I love your social posts on the weekend when you're doing these massive cook-ups and I'm always like, oh. where's my where's my invite? 
<laughs> you're not you're not far away, and hopefully, you, yeah, we'll be able to do that soon. <laughs> yeah. I absolutely love cooking. I those that know me, I'm not a still person. I'm a thinker. I'm an ideas person. I'm always giving and connecting, and I love people. And I find cooking is my way to just zone out. I don't follow recipes. I'm a big picture ideas person so I tend to not love process even though I can follow it when required so I do a lot of savory dishes and a lot of things you know that I just cook by taste and and I love the flow of that I mean as someone who can't cook I'm not sure whether to be envious or really glad I can't cook (laughs) (laughs) I get it I get it I've got some friends that are like I just couldn't think of anything worse but you know I'm a realist it's you know we're we're in the middle of a pretty big peak in our business and you know I'm making dinner at nine o'clock and I'm not you know I'm still making good things but I'm not going and making you know three course curries paste made from scratch you know that's more on the weekend yeah right what else about your Italian background has shaped you yeah, I think my love of people, I'm very passionate, as you know. I'm a touchy-feely person, so, you know, the whole COVID thing sort of I've repelled that fact that you can't go near people, <laughs> even though I follow it. Um, I think if, you, if there were a few words, it's connection and collaboration and family values and living life to the fullest. That's I really think has come through from my Italian side but also my mum's side, I mean, and my stepdad, he's from Adelaide, and he's the most energetic, passionate person you'll ever meet. So I think can come from your, your surroundings and also, which I know we'll touch on, a mindset I adopted when I lost my father at an early age that almost turned on an electrical surge in me to make the most of every minute. It's interesting, isn't it, how those, I mean, they're massive things anyway, but I also lost my mum four years ago quite suddenly, and she was 60. And um, it's interesting how it shapes you going forward or enables you to pull out compassion or empathy for other people and really makes you just go, holy crap, this is our one life. We've got to use it. Oh, it, totally. And I think it really brings in what I call the gift of gratitude. You know, it, it always, as you would, t- you tap into that and go, well, at least I'm here, I'm alive. And, you know, in Australia we have so many choices and, you know, in the work you and I do, how amazing is it as hard as we work, we get to help others grow and grow through them. And I, I, I can't see a, a better thing than doing that and being on purpose with that. Yeah, it's awesome. Tell me about your leadership journey. You started at a pretty young age, right? Yeah, I think from a very young age, I was always the teacher when we were playing schools as kids. <laughs> <laughs> so was I, but only my dog was the student. So does that count? <laughs> yeah, it, it, it doesn't matter. Tables, chairs. Um, so, and then I, I did brownies and girl guides as a young child because I moved schools a few times and I think mum wanted me to have some stability and I think I was a brownie leader at 13 years old. At school, I didn't take many leadership roles on, but I, I think my real first leadership role was in an FMCG company that I, I started with in my early 20s and I lived overseas for a year teaching dance on Camp USA and I think... That really made me step up and showed me I had the capability, ability and drive to do whatever I could do. So I had some fairly senior leadership roles over 12 years, leading teams of up to 70 people all over Australia, lots of travel. And that really built my leadership. But one day I realised I really wanted to grow others, not just because I was their manager. And I've been studying NLP, a psych, like so many different things while I was in the role 
And it was a realization someone said to me, if you were doing all that studying, Renee, obviously there's something else. And it was when coaching sort of 15 years ago emerged in Australia as, you know, something that corporates would look at. So, yeah, I started my business in 2006, Emma, and had a real focus on sales capability programs in mid-tier corporate. And over the last sort of eight years, we obviously specialise in leadership, communication and mindset. So we run a lot of, um, I believe, in transformational programs, not events, not one-off transactional hits. We do a lot where we immerse deeply in businesses and have our coaching and mentoring and all the bits and bobs that go around that. So... Yeah, I I really feel I'm at a point now where, you know, we're really leading the way in different things we're doing. And like you say, you know, no one is you. We're all unique. We all have something to bring. And I think, you know, we're all leaders of self before we're leaders of others. Mm. And what I love about you, because I've had the pleasure of knowing you for a little while now, is that gratitude that you speak of. That's our commonality, right? I'm hugely into gratitude and gratefulness, but it just pause through your essence I reckon and I just I love that about you oh thank you I I just yeah and I and I think it's um you know as you would know in the workplace may not use the word gratitude it's recognition it's appreciation but I feel a lot of the work we're doing at the moment's about creating workplace cultures that are open connective and collaborative and not just being performance-based or transactional so that People are sharing not just what they appreciate or are in gratitude for, but who and setting up rituals to do that. And I think that's, as you know, important in and out of work. You know, we're one life. I always say lead your whole self in whatever you do. Yeah. Yeah, it's so interesting because we had Sue Daphneus on the podcast and um, we were talking about how the pendulum swung, you know, like in the 80s, it was you bring yourself to work and you leave your personal life behind and then it swung the other way depending on the generation and then that's been, wow, you bring too much to work and then we've kind of swung back and now we're kind of a bit more balanced. But I have... Our audience can't see this, but what I'm putting up (laughs) is this amazing book called Gift Mindset. I have had the pleasure of reading it and um, sending you through my thoughts. And I want to know, why is it important? Why have you written it? Yeah, yeah, thank you. Yeah, so very exciting. We've, We've launched the book this year. This is my third book. And I suppose I should quickly just start with what, what is the gift mindset. It's a concept I've lived for many years and, and shared with, with many people, including clients and loved ones. And it's all about embracing both the challenging and positive experiences we encounter and taking a step back and going, what did I learn? What was the gift in that? If I unwrap that awful event, what did I learn from that? If I unwrap that great success I had or we had as a team, What can I learn from that? And better still, how can I use that to progress myself forward and others? So the gift mindset's all about really unwrapping the gifts that we have. It matters then because, you know, I don't think we've ever lived in such a connected world but so disconnected. There's distraction, there's technology. They're predicting 45% of people in Australia will suffer some sort of mental health issue in the next year. And I really believe in and out of the workplace, adopting the gift mindset will open up the space to be connected and collaborative and maybe share things that could be someone else's survival guide. 
I love that. And I think you're right. The, the research around mental health across Australia is quite scary, right? Yeah. And look, I've got someone very close to me that's has it at the, the worst extreme and has had for 20 years. And, you know, it's one of those things, it's, it's not visible to the eye, you know, well, it is as far as energy and that sort of thing. But it's, yeah, it, it's huge. Um, I think in the workplace too, you know, we've got the hybrid working environment in play. And many companies I'm working with are going to 100% remote um, working setup with satellite offices. And I think that whole connection, collaboration can be stifled. And we, we just got to make sure, I think, that we look at technology as a conduit to connection, not the connection. Yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree. And I think it's true when people say we've never been able to be more connected but we've never been more disconnected, you know? And it's like, put your phone down and just start connecting. And one of the um, things that really struck me as we went through a global pandemic is that connection and community. Connection, you know, I was talking to my Thriving Women ladies and I was saying connection first, content second, especially in a global pandemic, right? Yeah. Definitely, definitely. And I think in the workplace, I always say people before process before progress. Now, I know companies have to make, they've got to make money, right? But at the end of the day, if there's a focus on that and just the technical side, the people piece gets lost. And with the gift mindset, I really believe, you know, once you unwrap your gift, whatever that may be, it can sit in one of 12 areas. It can sit in a lot of areas, but I think, you know, it could be the like last year, I know for you and I, we unwrapped the gift of growth, the gift of resilience, the gift of change. There's the gift of gratitude. So, yeah, so the book and the programs around it are all based on ways to adopt unpacking the gift mindset, making sure that you really look out for the barriers because, you know, the barriers are our opponent to success. So we need to be mindful of these. And then having a look at where do my gifts sit and how can I deepen and develop these soft skills? So, they're all soft skills, which we can all access. They're all within us. But I think some of us at times need to ramp certain ones up. Yeah, yeah. Tell us, you touched on barriers a minute ago. Can you tell us a little bit more about some of the barriers to a gift mindset? Yeah, look, there's seven all up. But I think the main ones, are first one I think is judgment from others. Uh, if we look at a workplace or even a small business context, it's, um, well, what will people think or do I want people to know I failed at this or, you know, do I really want to share that with others? Does it make me too vulnerable? Does it make me too raw? Does it make me not look like the expert? You know, there's ego in there. So I think judgment from others is a big one. Another one is using success as a secret weapon. And I experienced this personally where I had a client many years ago say to me, you know, I think you've done an amazing job in here, big company, but I don't want to share you with anyone else. You're my secret weapon. And that's when I went, No. wow, if I was younger, I probably would have been flattered. But I was like, how often does this happen? And, you know, there's, there's statistics around and, and a lot of, you know, a lot of work that's been done around looking at the top, you know, Fortune 500 companies. And it's estimated that there's a combined, I think, $31 billion being lost by people not sharing ideas and lessons in the workplace. Oh. So I think that's a big one. And the other one, a big one, is really companies or people not making time to be self-aware and make self-reflective time. You know, they look at it as indulgent. So I think it's really stripping back 
making the time, creating the rituals for yourself. If, if you're listening and you're in, a, in your own business, you know, what have I learned? How can I share that? We all know you've got to share stories now. It's not just content. You've got to have a nice mix share how you got to where you are. We've, we've all got things we can share and I think we need to build on that as we go. And I know our programs are getting richer and richer because I'm bringing my story and other people's stories, you know, 25 years of that into things that, you know, when I was 30 I couldn't bring in. Yeah. So, yeah, look out for that. And distraction, you mentioned that earlier, you know, um, technology. You know, I was, at, I was at a park last year. I think it was one of the rare Sundays we could get out and I looked at, I'm a big animal lover, and I looked at every person that was walking their dog was on their phone. And, you know, we're all guilty of it, but I think it's really about jealously protecting your time and creating rituals around having that time to think and almost be bored. Mm, well, there's not enough of that in the world. <laughs> no, I, I, read, I read a thing years ago, and it was on a TED Talk about, a, um, I can't remember who it was, she was a professor, and she said years ago, like in the 60s and 70s, if people got bored, they'd iron or they'd cook. But now you go to your phone or you read or you work or you you know what it's like. So, yeah. As, well, as kids, you would have been the same. As kids, we didn't come home till dark. Once the streetlights came on, we're like, we're back. That doesn't happen anymore. One of the things that I love about the book, there are many things I love about this book. I'm just so proud of you. Just Aww. congratulations. Congratulations Thank you. again. Thank um, you. One of the things I do love is the stories. You'd pretty much have a story in each uh, gift, and um, that really resonated for me. And of course, my favourite chapter is the gratitude chapter, uh, where we talk about glass jars and different bits and pieces. And it made me go and buy some glass jars, some of the gratitude glass ah, jars yes, from your yes. friend Claire, yep. um, which was which was awesome. But there are there's twelve, and probably too many to talk about in our session today. But I'm wondering what ones are your favourite from the book, apart from gratitude, because we've talked about that. Yeah, yeah. I think they're all important. The one for me, I suppose if I have to say what's relevant right now is the gift of re-energising. I think... Um, <laughs> Tell me about, talk to me about that. Yeah, because I'm a very, very high energy person, always have been, and even when I'm tired, people are like, and you're the same, Emma, we, we sort of, our energy fuels our energy, so to speak. So the gift of re-energising is all about making the time to step back and really know when you feel you're most energized, you need to really tap into that to know when you feel depleted. And if you're running a team or a business, those around you. So there's a great story in there by a global marketing manager that I interviewed and she created a, a, a sort of a ritual with her team called Take Two, where they have two hours a month to do anything that re-energizes them and share that back in the workplace. And I think we can't contribute, we can't connect we can't grow unless we're energized. So I suppose three really top tips on that is stay on purpose, know why you do what you do, who you hang out with, why do you why, why do you do that? Have be a bit intentional. Know what drives you, what lights you up. I'm very passionate. I do a lot on motivational intelligence. So don't do what you're good at. Do what you're good at that you enjoy. There's a big difference. So if I know Emma and I are lit up by being around people and giving. And I know when I'm not doing that, I actually feel a bit off. I'm, I reckon you would too, Emma. So know what that is for you. If you love detail, get into that. If you love generating new ideas, do that and leverage the detail with someone else. And a big one is know and grow your support network and know and be open to that changing. So I know through COVID especially, my support work 
support network changed. Emma and I have known each other for probably four years but have grown so close in this last year because we've got a very similar purpose and what we want to do in the world, you know, and I think don't just go to people that, that love you and think you're amazing. Go to people that will, you know, give you feedback, will help you grow, will be honest with you but will also give something back to you so it's a two-way street and I think that's important. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, and tap into, you know, your capabilities and know what they are and grow those. That's a big one. Tell me about RG Dynamics. What is it that you do? Yes, so um, we've been around 14 years and obviously the business has evolved, but predominantly we work with leaders, teams and organisations. And we do a lot of work around energising mindset and accelerating leadership and communication to lift performance and the result of that is to really create collaborative and connected cultures. We do do a lot of different things. We have a coaching arm in our business where we do a lot of one-on-one and group coaching and masterminds, which are a big passion of mine, where we bring people in and get them to work on challenges and opportunities as a group and, and have open debate about things that may not get talked about in the workplace. But I guess, Emma, my passion is workshops, transformational workshops, so to date, we've run about 4,000 workshops. So we've got a lot of programs. Um, Holy crap, man. <laughs> love them. I love them because you connect. And being a speaker, I love that, but you're on a stage most of the time. I think being in a room and working through and facilitating through real-life real challenges in real time, I don't think anything beats it. And I grow with that as well. So, yeah, we do a lot in the leadership and communication space and motivational intelligence. We do a lot of profiling on what lights you up, what lights your team members up and how you can leverage it to build a strength-based team and culture. That's awesome because you've obviously been in business for a really long time, 4,000 workshops. If I extrapolate those numbers out or work backwards from them, that's a lot of workshops. And I know you're at your best face-to-face. I know that you love the face-to-face. I also love the fact that this book just, I mean, it's a monster of a book. How many words is this book? Um, I think it's about 70,000, which was cut. Back. Hey, that was cut back. <laughs> of course it was. You've got much to say, Renee. <laughs> yes, lots to, lots to share. And there were so many stories that were that we put in from people from all walks of life. It was so hard not to include them all. And obviously some had to be cut back that we'll use in other things, you know, so yeah, and look, the, the Gift Mindset Culture Program, Emma, which we talked about, we can run that in any way. It can be run the 12 gifts over 12 months virtually. Obviously, we're doing a lot of virtual stuff or a combination when we can. But we can also, we're working with clients who are looking at what gift do we need in our business right now? Yes, it's courage. So we'll run a two-hour session on the unwrapping your gift of courage. So it's pretty adaptable, which makes it exciting. And does that mean with the launch of the book and is that going to become your signature programs? What are your other signature programs? What do people mainly ring you and say, Renee, we need some help with? Yeah, it really, the, our Limitless Leaders Acceleration Program is our signature program and that can be run at Emerging, Mid and C-Suite. And this program, Emma's only been out a few weeks on our new website and we're speaking to about seven companies at the moment so I, I think they're the main two. The other one we get a lot of traction with is our motivational intelligence for teams 
because it, it's a one day with lots of follow-up, but a lot can come out of that by understanding your team members because we get caught up in the doing, yeah, not the being. And just investing that time and headspace can really propel anyone forward in the workplace. Yeah, I love that. I love that. You're you're in demand and I love that as well. <laughs> Tell me, for our listeners, you've had a really, by the sound of it and from what I know from you, a really fulfilling career in both the corporate and in business ownership, right, which both have come with different challenges. What advice would you give for those listening to us today uh, who might be thinking about setting themselves up on a journey or they're a bit stuck where they are? Yeah, and, and we all get there and we all go through that, which is part of evolving. First thing I'd say is know your intention. You know, what is it you want to do? You know, don't, you know, a lot of people starting a new business say to me, I just want to make a lot of money. And I say, you got to start with the why. What is it that you're giving to the world? So have an intention and know your purpose. What are you curious about? What problems need to be solved? The second one is know what drives you. So if you know you need to be in a group environment to do your best work, as I do, you know, I do a lot of collabs. I catch up with a lot of people. I work in a shared office when I can. I love noise. So know the things that energize you because that is what will keep you on track. Have a support network. Again, you know, don't try and do everything yourself. I think that's a mistake I made. I'm, I'm crappy at asking for help. And there were so many people I admired that I could have emulated earlier on and I probably could have got traction more quickly. But the biggest thing is stay true to you and know that nobody is you, that, you know, the comparison syndrome is out there. We all get it at times, but no one is us. You know, have original thoughts, voice your opinion, even if it's hard. You know, I have a a saying, Emma, debate with intent trumps harmony for comfort's sake. Oh, my goodness. Say that again. Debate with intent trumps harmony for comfort's sake. Oh, I love that. So don't be that little dog on the dashboard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just goes along with the pack because you just be vanilla. You want to stand out. So be you. Ask people what makes you you. What's your USP, your unique selling point? And bring that to the world. And, you know, I know, Emma, you'll agree. It's been tough. We all go through ups and downs. 15 years ago, there was no social media. I had 20 hours more a week, right? (laughs) Yeah. At least. But it's part of it. So when you get to a point where you can outsource things, you know, we we write all our content. That will never change. But there's some admin-y things we outsource now. And don't, you know, it's an old saying, don't compare your Chapter 1 to someone's Chapter 20. Mm, True. I love that. Tell me, Renee, what's a question that you would have liked me to have asked you that I haven't? Is there anything that we haven't covered off that you'd like to tell us about? Mm, That's a good one. I should have known that was coming. Um, (laughs) You know me. You know me. You should know there was a trick question in there. Yeah, trick question. (laughs) I think a question, not many people would ask me this because I'm always, I am naturally optimistic, is when times are tough, what do I do to tap in and fill my cup? And it probably goes back to a bit around the start is I love to cook. I love to ring a close friend and have a chat. But a big one for me, I I suppose, is just getting out in nature. I don't do it enough. The other day I had a 20-minute break in five meetings in the city and I went for a walk in the gardens and I got lost and I was like, I'm going to be late. And then I was like, you know what, this is a gift. I've got lost and I ended up doing six kilometres. In heels? Yeah, I took them off. So I looked a bit, 
Okay. I look like a little hippie in the botanical gardens. But I think what, you know, we all have challenges. I, I don't think a lot of people realise as a small business the challenges you go through. I had someone yesterday say, you had the biggest year last year, well done. Yes, I had the biggest year work-wise. We lost 90% of our business last March. No one knows that. So I think, you know, share that. And I have shared that and I don't go on about it because I'm always looking forward. But share your scars and it comes back to the gift mindset. Share your gifts and remember, I think it's selfish if you don't because they could be a survival guide for someone else. Wow. Just that last bit about, you know, being transparent about, what's happened will be so useful for our audience because we always hear good news stories right and sometimes you get your battle scars but um thank you so much for coming on i don't know what i already know you really well but i learned so much more about you in this conversation it's awesome i I think we could talk for days and and i want to (laughs) say thank you thank you for having me and and also you know acknowledging you for all the great work you're doing um especially you know with thriving women and really helping women lift and I guess step into their power and I think that's amazing Emma. Thank you my friend. Tell me where can people reach out to you? How can they connect with you if they want to learn more about the gift mindset? Yeah so just um, giftmindset.com it's got its own web page and we've got free downloadable resources. We've got actually the six keys of each of the 12 gifts as downloadable posters available so giftmindset.com and reneegeruso.com is our brand sparkling new website where you can have a look at all of our programs, book in a chat with me and our Limitless Leaders podcast, obviously, which is on Apple and Spotify. Feel free to tap into that and the resources around that as well. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time and um, good luck with all the bits that go together with the gift mindset. Um, you know, I will be cheering you on openly and thank you. behind the scenes as well because I Aww. just think you're awesome. So thank you so much. Thanks, Em. That's it for this episode of Tea with the Queen. If you love this episode, let me know. I'd love to hear from you. And you're very welcome to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps us with promoting the podcast for others to listen to inspirational topics on leadership and business. And if you want to contact me directly, all my details are at my website, emmamcqueen.com.au.